All right, well, good morning. It's good to see all of you at uh, church. And um, Okay, good. And um, just wanted to thank God for our new members and for everyone here and all that God is doing and all the new babies and, you know, just everything. Uh, we're just grateful for all of that. And um, so, yeah, praise God. Um, you know, today we're looking at this topic of kindness, um, and you think about kindness, uh, and you think about this, uh, the, the people who have made the biggest impact in our lives, most likely they were kind to us, right? It wasn't because, uh, you think about your old teachers, it wasn't because, oh, so-and-so was brilliant. Um, until they were kind to us, it doesn't matter, Right? Or you think about uh, if you ever had to go to um, the hospital and the doctors and nurses who took care of you. It wasn't just the ones who were skilled and uh, studied hard when they were younger. It was the ones who, who were kind. You know, we've all been under some kind of care where the doctor or the nurse who, who would attend to us were very kind. And um, they would speak to us in a certain way and they would take their time. It makes a big impact, right? And think of a, about your workplace. I'm sure there are people that already come to mind when you think about kindness. There are certain people that are just, they would give you something, buy you a cup of Starbucks, and you didn't expect anything. Um, you didn't deserve it. And so kindness is really underrated. Um, we look at our lives, and it's very underrated. And today we want to look at this topic of kindness. Uh, we want to see, obviously, as Christians, uh, what God has done for us in kindness, and then how we ought to respond to that in kindness and kind of emulate his kindness towards us, and we ought to be kind in this way. You know, I, I remember uh, when I was, I think, right, going into about third grade, um, we had moved to Oakland. We were this total just immigrant family. My parents didn't speak English, um, and we were living in Oakland and um, had a little market. It was kind of like a scene out of a movie or whatnot. And um, uh, my parents, after a couple years, saved up money, and they sent me to a Christian private school. So up to that point, we, we did, I didn't know church um, and uh, we, I got sent to a Christian private school, Patton Academy, I still remember what it was called. And I remember going there, and my first day of school, um, so the previous school I was at, I was the only yellow kid amongst all the black kids um, for a couple years, and then I moved to this school, so I'm the only yellow kid amongst all the white kids, like everyone was white, so I was like, whoa, you know, um, my eyes couldn't, you know, it just couldn't handle all the brightness. Anyway, so I got there, um, and I remember the first day, they, they, the teacher, we would have praise time. But I didn't know what it was. And I, I, w I remember sitting in the front. And I was kind of bold then, as I am now. And she was playing. And she goes, okay, boys and girls, what do you want to sing? And I raised my hand. And, I, and she says, okay, um, oh, the new kid, you know. Um, yeah, new kid, yellow kid. What do you want to sing, you know. And I, I remember thinking I wanted to sing. The only song I learned in the Oakland Public School, public, uh, school District was Yankee Doodle. We sang it every whatever. So I was like, Yankee Doodle. And she goes, oh, son, we don't sing those songs here. You know, and so imagine how confused I am. I was like, well, you guys all, you know, it's all these white people. They don't want to sing Yankee Doodle. And um, that was confusing. And I remember it just felt like there were thousands of eyes on me where it felt like all the kids were going, son, you know, we don't sing those. And then we sang this little light of mine. And you know, I learned that later. I had a teacher there, uh, Mr. Robinson. Um, he was, uh, uh, I still remember him, 
uh, is African American man. He, um, I remember he had a kind of a big stomach, and he was his necktie would always lay on his stomach at like a it was like a black diamond sleet ski slope, and I would always look at his tie. It would always hang over the edge, um, and he would have that. And I remember he drove a green. Um, Honda Accord before Hondas were even known as a car back then and so he's a cool guy But he really cared for me. I remember he would ask me things and he would remember things uh, What my hobbies were what I did and he would uh, you know tell me to come talk to him and I, I Was like wow he really cared and I remember on my uh, I think it was my ninth birthday I had, a, I had a birthday party and I invited him to my birthday party because I liked him so much and, you know, and so now um, he's like, oh, you know, thank you. I, I'll try to stop by. Not, not like he has nothing better to do on a Saturday than to go into, like, the dangerous part of Oakland to go to a, one of his students. You know, my wife's a teacher. You know, the teacher, you want to get away from your kids when it's done, right? And, and then he pulled up. Him and his green Honda Accord, he pulled up. No necktie. Came to my party. Hung out with us. Played games, silly games and uh, brought me a present, and then he left. That was kind of my first impression of a Christian, right? My uh, first time at a Christian school. What could have started really bad, it turned very positive. And it wasn't because, I don't know where he went to school, I don't know where he got his diplomas and his degrees and credentials, but I know he was really nice to me. He came to my birthday party, and I remember that. And we see here, um, when we think of kindness, uh, we have a misunderstanding of kindness. We think it's off, uh, often it's um, something about, um, oh, someone who has a kind heart, uh, warm and fuzzy, you know, it's, uh, what is kindness, right? This word kindness that is used, you know, to describe the fruit of the Spirit is uh, described, is defined in the Vines Dictionary in this way. It says it signifies not merely goodness as a quality, rather it is goodness in action, goodness expressing itself in deeds. And so it's all about action. It definitely isn't, oh, warm and fuzzy on the inside, oh, goodness here. It isn't describing the person that says, oh, well, that person, you know, he's, he doesn't do anything nice, but, you know, he has a good heart. And unfortunately, I've talked to so many people who have had that experience, even with their own parents. Oh, I know my dad loved me. He never demonstrated it, but it was in his heart. Kindness isn't something that's just pent up on the inside. Kindness is me doing something. So kindness is more than a nice personality, um, a pure heart, goodness. It's more than that. It is now taking some kind of action, goodness in action, it says. And we see the, the gospel story of God showing kindness to us. Um, and we're going to look at that in Ephesians 2 in the passage that we read. And I want to highlight three parts of his goodness towards us. One is, this was his nature. Um, this is who he is, right? Uh, this is his uh, character. This is his attribute. God is kindness. He is uh, loving. This is who he is. The God of the Bible is someone who demonstrates kindness. Um, and we see that here. In verse 4, for example, God's attributes are described in this way, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. So he is merciful, but not only is he merciful, he is rich in mercy. And that word rich there is used in all throughout the New Testament to describe a person who is wealthy, who has a lot of money. And we know people who are rich 
in money, rich in possessions, rich in houses, and rich in things. But the same word is used to describe God, and he says he is rich in mercy. If it wasn't for the rich mercy of God, I mean, how many of us would be here? How many of us could go to God and pray when we keep messing up over and over, and he's saying to us, it is because of his mercy. Not only that, he's described as loving us, not an average love, not a romantic kind of love, not a casual love, but a great love. And the word great there is used to describe the original language. It, it describes, the commentators talk about that word. It means uh, a big, grand, to describe something that is big. So his love for us is really big. So this is who God is. God is someone who demonstrates kindness because he is rich in mercy. He loves us with a big love, if we could say that. Uh, he loves us in this way. Secondly, his love is demonstrated towards the undeserving. This is the part of the gospel that we have to hear often. This is the part of the gospel that we have to grasp the proper understanding of the gospel means. We have to understand ourselves that we were completely undeserving. Right? Religion always says, whether you talk about karma or different, religion always says, man, you know, I'm going to go earn something from God. I deserve something better. Christianity says, I deserve nothing, and God gave me everything, right? And so that's the, the big difference that we see here. But it is very tempting, as it was for the Pharisees in Jesus' day, to say, well, I'm better than this guy. I'm better than that person. Look how much I do. Look how much I serve. Look at what my parents did growing up. And so it's easy for the Pharisees to say that. And they were so angry when Jesus kept reaching out to the tax collector and the sinner and the adulterous woman and all this, because why? They say, they don't deserve anything from you. We deserve something. They don't deserve God's mercy. We deserve God's mercy. They don't deserve to be blessed by your presence. We worked hard for it. And Jesus keeps calling them brood of vipers. And he calls them these nasty names because they took what was free and they tried to earn it. Now, we see here in verse 5 in the text that we read, it says this, even when we were dead in our trespasses. So God demonstrates his mercy and his love, his kindness towards us, even when we were dead. The word used here is dead, not weak, um, not a little bit down and out, but dead. Powerless, helpless, unable to achieve anything. No power there is the dead person. Not only that, the dead person is dead. Why? In their own trespasses. Not only are they powerless and helpless, they're guilty. We're guilty. We are all guilty in this way. And he uses, he talks about even himself, Paul says, we were. It's not just those outside, those who are doing bad things, but all of us, we were. And he includes himself in this. 100% guilty. And the third part of God's kindness towards us, we see it that it's lived out and it's demonstrated in community. We see this in Ephesians chapter 1 where God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The triune God. Um, uh, the three distinct, eternal, coexisting persons of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Who make up now the Godhead with one God. This is a very important doctrine in the church. This, this differentiates if you are in heresy or a cult or if you are in orthodox Christianity is the understanding of the Trinity. And we see here 
that Father, Son, Spirit, that there is a sense of kindness to each other and fellowship there, but also that the three in one, the three distinct persons demonstrate kindness to us in community. Ephesians 1 is such a rich text, and just jumping back a chapter, and in this chapter, three times you see the phrase, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his grace, to the praise. Three times Paul praises God. And all three times he is pointing to now the different uh, persons of the Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And in verse 3, and we can't read all of it, but I just wanted to highlight Verse 3, blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The second is the Son, or Christ. Verse 11, in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. We see that phrase there. And then verse 13, God the Holy Spirit is mentioned in how He demonstrates kindness to us in that community. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in Him and were sealed with the promise Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Right? So to the praise of His glory, He says. Father, Son, Spirit, coexisting, co-eternal, distinct from one another, yet one God, lived in perfect fellowship, lives in perfect fellowship, and now demonstrates kindness to us. And so we learn something from that. There's something about community and kindness that we now learn. So what does this mean to us? Right? Um, I, I think this moves us as an example. Like we say, wow, God is like this. I want to be like God. Just as a little kid might look at their dad, says, my dad is this, I want to be like my dad. And I think that there's a part of that. But another part is, God has loved me this way. It changes me, and I want to show kindness in this way. It, it motivates us in this way, right? And so in the same way that God has demonstrated kindness and is kind, um, we, we want to copy that. So first of all, kindness is, as a Christian, is our new nature. This is not about your personality. This is not about how you grew up. This is, this is just who we are. And we have to somehow, sometimes just pause and say, and really preach to myself, this is who I am. I have to live out my identity. I have to be true to myself. And our culture today is big on being true to yourself. But really for the Christian, this is our identity. That I am someone who is bearing fruit in kindness as God's character is seen in kindness, so is our fruit in life. We are the fruit that we bear, and we are that kind of tree. We are people who are called to be kind. Uh, Colossians 3.12, and I, I wanted to quote it from the NIV. Um, it says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion kindness. Clothe yourself with kindness. Right? Uh, the ESV says to put on kindness. The NIV kind of does the extra work for us. It's the, the idea of putting on something. Putting on a new shirt. Putting on a new outfit. And so when you put on whatever the outer layer you put on, that's the only thing that's visible. You say, oh, that guy always wears this, and that's how I see this person. Or when you see, a, um, let's say, a police officer in uniform, what you see is not who that person is, but you see the, the uniform. You see what that person has put on. And you identify him by what is put on. And so he is telling us, Paul's telling us here, let yourself be seen by what you put on. 
the, the, the commander to put on the original language. It's in the, what's called the aorist tense. It means something you do once and that's it. You know, it's not something you do it all the time. So the idea is you don't have to put it on and take it off and put it on and take it off. You know, like, oh, Sunday, oh, Sunday's over. You know, Pastor John's going to go home. Oh, I'm going to take off kindness like Sunday's over. You know, kids, get out of here. You know, like, leave me alone. You know, like, oh, I'm going to go home. Ah, oh, Sunday's over. You know, until next Sunday, I'll just hang kindness in my closet. Okay, oh, Sunday, i got to put on my kindness. Hey, everyone, I love you. Uh, not really. Hey, let's take that off. You know, that's not the idea. Put it on and keep it on. Let that be who you are. Let that be your identity. Live out your identity, right? Um, there's been studies done that uh, they came up with this phrase called the uh, uh, helper's high. You get a helper's high when you help someone. When you serve somewhere, you get a high. Um, and they say, you know, there's been studies that show the, the levels of dopamine in your brain will shoot up and you get a high, right? You get a high from helping someone. Why does the world around us, you know, those who aren't believers and who get nothing out of it, why do they go out and do such good works and we see it on CNN? And all? Why? Because they get this. What does this mean? If, they, if, everyone, if people get a helper's high when they do something good, that means we were created to do this. We were made to do this. This is who we are. At the last verse that we read in, in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You're created for this. That's why you get a helper's high when you help someone. That's why it is something rewarding when you go serve and help someone. And so that's who we are. Secondly, is it needs to be demonstrated to the undeserving. Kindness, the Christian kindness that we see as a Christian, is it has to be demonstrated towards those who are undeserving, who are helpless, who cannot pay you back. Being kind to those that will pay you back, right, is complete hypocrisy. That's not kindness, that's manipulation. Being kind to my boss, right? Because, hey, I'm gonna take my boss, you know, and take him out for lunch, because, hey, maybe I will get promoted. That's not kindness, you know? You know, being kind to someone who is very wealthy and wanting to be their friend, so maybe I could use their vacation home you know, in the mountains, like, wouldn't that be great? Or get a ride in one of their fancy cars. And No, that's not really kindness. Kindness is me going to someone that cannot pay me back. Kindness is me going and helping someone where no one will applaud. And the world might look at you and say, oh, you're wasting your time. Your time, talent, your treasures on that person. But we are called to do this. And this is why we do what we do. Why do we go and, you know, set up these mission trips and people are going and it takes a lot of time, it takes resources and energy. Why are people going? Why do we go all the way to Mississippi to go in the poorest part of our country to go help these kids to learn Christ? What is that? Why is that? Um, do they pay us to go? Do they? No. Why do we go out to cross the way to Santa Ana? Or why do we do picnics for these kids from Olive Crest who don't have parents in their lives? Why do we do that? That's who we are. And so if you think coming to church, if you think being a Christian is I go to church, I hear something nice, at least I endure the message, and I find some friends, and boy, that's church. And that's not church. Christians by identity are called to be a people who go out. The church, by definition, are people who go and help those who cannot help themselves. Um, in his book, 
titled Justice, Nicholas Wolterstorff, who is a very well-known uh, philosopher and theologian, um, talks about, and he coins this phrase called the quartet of the vulnerable, the quartet of the vulnerable, right? And he says in the Old Testament, they, uh, the four people groups that God tells the people, of, uh, the people of God to go and help, right? The four include the poor, the foreigners, the, um, the foreigners who live within your border, right? Uh, the orphan and the widow. And he mentions those four. He's over and over, the prophets, over and over in the Old Testament, God has a special place in his heart for those four, the quartet. And how important it is for us to remember them. How important it is for us to actually do something for them. Be active about this. And the third thing is this kindness has to be lived out in community. In our day and age, uh, we, you could hear great sermons, you could be inspired, you could do it all at home. In the comforts of your bed, you could stare at your phone, and you can have the best preachers that's better than what you get here, and listen to the best music, and you could do all that stuff there. But what is it about community that matters? Why do we gather in this way? It's because God is a communal God, if we could say. If God is a God of fellowship, we see the Father, Son, Spirit, love, who love each other in perfect fellowship, now love others. And so we, we model that, that we have to love each other, and we have to now go and demonstrate kindness to others. Now, what does the Bible say? Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. Now, isn't this what we learn in kindergarten, right? Isn't this uh, basics of humanity one-on-one? Be kind to one another. I wonder what went through Paul's mind as he is writing this. I wonder what the circumstances really were in the church of Ephesus. I wonder what God was thinking as he was using his instrument, Paul, to write this. As he's thinking about the church, he's thinking about the people that are going to gather, and he says, be kind to one another. In the, in the uh, King James, it's translated, be ye kind. Why? It's the old English way of saying you all. It's in the plural. So all of you be kind. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter what stage you're in, all of you be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving each other in this way. This is the power of kindness. There was a study done um, by a professor from UC San Diego and a professor from Harvard. Chris Takis and uh, James Fowler were their names. And they came up with a study, and they entitled it um, Connected, the surprising power of our social networks and how they shape our lives. The surprising power of it. And basically, the study went to show that they would put people, and they would uh, study people as they would play these games, and they were like public goods games. And so, you know, kind of like a monopoly or games like that where you could lend money and you could uh, give people a pass or you could, you know, give them something. And it was that kind of game. And they, they studied the effects of someone being kind to someone else. So someone would say, oh, you know what, you owe me, but, you know, you're, before, you know I'll give you some of mine. And what they found was very surprising, that there was power to that. And there was what they call a domino effect, and it would start now going to different people. Second, third degree of separation and people are now being kind. So everyone, when one person was kind, everyone in that game, even later when they started up again, if they received kindness, they were being kind to other people. And this is what they say, and I quote them. 
We have direct experience of giving and seeing people's immediate reactions, but we don't typically see how our generosity cascades through the social network to affect the lives of dozens or maybe hundreds of other people. You might go and help someone. You might go and reach out and give a bag of food to someone or say a prayer to some, for someone. And you just see their reaction. But he says, we don't see the dozens and maybe even the hundreds of other people where that has now cascaded. And the kindness has just spread in this way. Can you imagine us as, us as a church? As we gather here and we worship together and we pray together and we're starting to be kind to each other. And we start going out to our workplaces and we're starting to be kind to others. Can you imagine the power that we have here as a church? I pray that whatever you do, maybe you are a stay-at-home parent, maybe you are working at some kind of a, a, you know, a big office, maybe you are, whatever you do, that you would be someone that is the kindest, you fill in the blank, that could possibly be. And maybe you're your banker, your teacher, your you know, attorney, whatever it is. Yeah, at, when I get there, as I meet with people, I will be the kindest in what I do. I will not take kindness off, but I will keep it on, and I will be kind, and I will share the love of God because of what he has done for me and see the power that has in the world around us. Let us be powerful people, not through mites or riches, but really through our actions of kindness. We all could do this. Let's make that our goal this week. Amen? Man, let's pray. God, you are so kind to us. So, Lord, um, that has drawn billions of people towards you. It is the power of your kindness that leads us to repentance and to follow you. And now you tell us to be kind. Neighbors around us, people who are in need are all around us. We have now that power to go demonstrate kindness as you have shown kindness to us. Help our church to be a church filled with power in this way. For the moms and dads here, may they be kind to those around, to those who are uh, working in an office with a lot of different people. Would you help us to be kind to, to those around us, God? So, Lord, help us not to just keep our faith private, but to live it out and demonstrate it. We pray in Jesus' name.